Hey PRSSA members, I'm McKay Wilson, the 2019-2020 PRSSA National Vice President of Member Services. Welcome to the PR with the Pros podcast brought to you by the Public Relations Student Society of America. Our scholarships and awards deadline is at the end of May, so in this episode, I sat down with one of the recipients of the Dr. F.H. T. Hahn Award for Outstanding Faculty Advisor, Dr. Adrienne Wallace, as well as Courtney Fogel, the student who nominated her. We talk a bit about her role as an advisor and why she and her students think she's outstanding. I hope some of what we talk about can resonate with you and you'll consider nominating your advisors for the award this year. Hi, Dr. Wallace. Welcome to the podcast with the pros. We're excited to have you and talk about being a recipient of the 2019 Dr. F.H.T. Hunt Outstanding Faculty Advisor Award. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting. And thank you, Courtney, for joining us. For those listening, Courtney is the student who nominated Dr. Wallace for the award. Yes, thank you for having me. So to kick things off, Dr. Wallace, why don't you tell everyone about how long you've been the faculty advisor for Grand Valley State University's chapter and why you decided to accept or move into this role? Yeah, so I mean, as you know, by the bylaws, you have to be elected essentially into your role as an advisor, although that's not really how it works on like the faculty side in the department that you're in. But in 2009, I moved into um, the professional advisor role in my chapter and immediately went to work helping them start, basically start the accreditation process for the firm that we had had just for one year. So the year before I got there, they started their student run firm. And then the year I arrived was to basically like whip, them into shape and get those processes made in the standard operating procedure um, in order to um, attain national affiliation with our student-run firm. So, I don't know, shortly after that, I became the faculty advisor um, when I started a full-time role at Grand Valley. So, it's been a minute. So, what's been like your most rewarding moment? Obviously, there must be some if it's been over a decade. Yeah, I mean, anytime you help a student you know, solve a problem anytime a student gets a job that they really love, anytime they have the courage to do something really brave. Um, those are all, you know, that's the, those are the moments. And I mean, you don't say yes to be an advisor if you don't intend to fulfill the obligation of making other people's dreams come true and mm-hmm. helping them, you know, springboard into uh, real life, that place we like always tell you about. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, giving them, you know, first of all, being trusted by students to like do the right thing and help them in the way that they need help, but also um, being able to fulfill and that obligation and help with their outcomes is, you know, the remote rewarding moments. It's not just like a one-time thing. So, I mean, you're helping students jumpstart their careers and everything. Um, can you go a little bit more into why you're an advocate for PRSSA or uh, what that means for you? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I'm a mentor of young people, period, because I got let down big time when I was a young person. And Court, we're on a video call, so Courtney's like nodding right now because she's heard the story a million and one times. But when I was an undergraduate at the same institution that I'm currently a faculty member at, um, I had a speaker come in. And in those days, that was pretty rare. Like, it wasn't often that you'd have speakers come in. And now I feel like we have a much better relationship with outside groups and they're willing to dedicate their time to that. And I remember writing her a thank you note when she when she left and then I got a note back and you know, this isn't, this is like before email basically and getting the note back and opening it up really excited. Like maybe she's like my fairy godmother granting me a wish or something. 
and she essentially like dressed me down for having gratitude. <laughs> so she like basically wow. told me, basically said that like that gra- my gratitude was like a shortcoming and that I wouldn't be able to have authority or be authoritarian or, or do this job if I was soft. And so I, well, first I had like a good, a good solid cry about that. And then I shredded it and threw it into the garbage. I probably even, I might've even lit it on fire. I mean, it was pretty dramatic. I can remember feeling like pretty like intense feelings and thinking like, that's not like who treats people, people period like this. And let alone a student that's aspiring to be who she is at some day, you know, at some point. So, you know, that, that is the defining moment of like mentorship and like, how I just couldn't imagine having that as a reaction to a person that wanted to, you know, grow up like me or whatever, you know, I can't even imagine that as a reaction, but, um, you know, I mean, good for her. It, you know, it gave me a little bit of purpose there. And, um, I think that (laughs) I I laugh because I, like, I still, like, I know this person now. Right. And like, I'm an adult and like, I know her, And I'm sure she doesn't even remember writing that message, but like, I obviously took it as like my calling card for the rest of my career or whatever, which I think is kind of funny. And I would never in a million years actually want to tell her that because I wouldn't want her to take credit for making that happen (laughs) because like all good and mad about it. But um, yeah, talk about carrying some stuff on for a little while, but that one's been with me for a long time. But, you know, I think that it just made me really understand that you know, she, like, she could have just been like, cool, come visit my office. And then what would I have been? You know, I have no idea, but she didn't. She like slapped me in the face, basically. Yeah. It just gave me some resolve. And I'm one of those people that's like, if you tell me you can't do it, I'm going to do it like 10 times, you know, and better than you would have. Like I'm, I definitely have um, competitive energy. So that's why it happened. And that's how it happened. And I mean, I don't know, everybody needs some help. So if not me, why not me? You know? I love that that moment was able to craft how you wanted to help students and help future professionals. Well, I just was like, who do you think you are, lady? Mm -hmm. Like, just because you came into my undergraduate, you know, 220 class or whatever and and showed me your big, you know, your big job and now here we are. No, that's not okay. Then moving forward with, um, you know, we've talked about your awarding moments. What have been some of the challenges that you've faced as a faculty advisor and how have you overcome those? Yeah. I mean, you're 20 something, I'm assuming, like think of all of the drama that happens with 20 year olds. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, and when I was 20, I had that drama and you just get older and it's different drama. So it's always, there's always drama. I think the hardest parts are when you have a a normally pretty tight knit group, which pretty harmonious and then something happens and it sort of, you know, sends it off balance. Like, I think the hardest part is not jumping in to try to fix it. Right. But rather like using like mediation or giving advice to both parties in order to resolve a conflict that you're not even really a part of, but needs to be resolved to like move things forward. I mean, we've had students on, you know, our PRSSA board that hated each other. I mean, it happens. There's stuff that they can't like personally get by, but I think the, you know, the hardest part as an advisor is like knowing that that's going on, but then trying to like still make them know that they have to make that work because you're not, and even when you go to work, you're not going to love everybody that you're working with. Right. And you still have to work with them. (laughs) (laughs) Still got to, you know, you still got to make good client work. You still got to like fulfill your duties. 
And so I think that that's a, that's a hard lesson to learn, but it's also really hard to watch as an outsider because, you know, you don't know the whole story. I never know all the facts. I just know what's happening right now. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't know that two years ago someone did this to that, but I don't know any of that. And I don't really want to, but um, just, you know, some, sometimes some passive aggressive, like, uh, you know, tweets will happen or you can tell that there's something happening between people, but they're both mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I think that kind of stuff is, is detrimental to the group dynamic, but it happens. It's not like we just can't pretend like it doesn't exist. So right. those are the hard, those are the hardest moments are the personal interpersonal conflicts. Mm -hmm. But also what a great learning experience for those students. Cause you know, like you said, you're going to have that tension and you're not going to oh, like yeah. that you work with later. So for sure. I mean, learn it early you, and how you to can't deal make with everybody, it. Right. You can't make everyone happy. Um, not everyone's going to like you and it's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just how like the world works, but you need to still be able to like soldier on, you know, and make stuff happen. Right. Work for the better of the group. Mm -hmm. So why don't you describe a time when one of your PRSA members has made an impact on you? They're, they're always impacting me. I mean, anyone that thinks that like I'm the bestower of all knowledge and nothing ever comes back my way is like insane. Like that is, but that's not even logical. So, I mean, everything, you know, every interaction I have with a person in PRSSA, you know, helps um, flavor the way I treat every class in every classroom. And it helps me understand more of what students need or want um, and how I am able to fulfill the expectations, but also where I need to like be firm and plant some roots and be like, yeah, we're, that's not how that's going to go. I don't know. It really has, the impact is really that it has made me better understand uh, student perspective mm -hmm. in like more holistic, I guess like more holistically, like understanding like a student's background helps me understand how to work with them and mm -hmm. understand what, you know, what not responding to a text feels like. And, you know, like just all of those things, which nor I mean, I'm over 40 years old. I don't even like, it's been so long since I was 20. Right. Like, and yeah. things were so different. Like we didn't have social media and like, we just, I like think like when I was like a freshman, I'd gotten my first email address. And so like, I've done, you know, traditional, like before social, like I've had a foot in both areas and now mm -hmm. I teach technology to like you know, Gen Z, which is super weird. But um, I think that um, to hustle back to your question, the impact is just, like everything is impactful. Like they all make an impact on me. They all help me understand, you know, what I need to do to be a better person. They all, you know, make me understand what I have to do to be a better faculty member or teacher in a classroom. They all make me, you know, better understand uh, what I'm supposed to be doing with them and for them. And I mean, I don't want to get like too detailed, but like when you learn of something that you like, even that you have in common with somebody that's like so outside of a school problem, Mm -hmm. That does, that gives you a lot better insight as to what they need and how you can help, but also what you're supposed to do, right? Like, am I a therapist? No. Do I play one on TV? Kind of, right? So most of that is just like being a good empath and understanding how to listen and realize that like working with students requires that they're like what they indel upon you is sometimes emotional, and not just always like, you know, a paper or whatever. It's not always something like super tangible. And so I think we all leave relationships changed. And if you don't, you're kind of not paying attention probably. So 
it's not just a one-way street. I'm not just like bestowing magic upon people and it's helping them, but they're also helping me like be a better person and a better communicator. I really love that answer because it's really like communications is a two-way thing. Like we're always saying it's mutually beneficial relationships. So it's not always just one party is being impacted by it. It's yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't go into mentorship, like thinking you're just going to give all the answers. You definitely like do it because you also want to be changed. Like you want um, to be influenced um, in some way or have some purpose outside of that. So kind of to start grouping Courtney into this, do you want to talk about a time when Dr. Wallace has impacted your <laughs> experience? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, where do I start here? That's such a loaded question. It is such a loaded <laughs> question. I feel like our relationship is so dynamic. Um, it kind of goes back into what you were talking about a few minutes ago about how sometimes life experiences can draw you together. And so... Throwback to 2017, I was transferring to Grand Valley. Um, I was actually doing two university visits that day, one to Grand Valley and one to Michigan State. It was about a month before school was set to begin. Mm. And my mom went to the Grand Valley website, picked a random advisor and was like, hey, my daughter is trying to come to Grand Valley. She told her a little bit of my story and Adrian left work came to the campus, campus was empty, and she gave me my own like mini personal tour. My God, do you remember how hot it was <laughs> out that so day? Hot. Oh my God, it was like 7,000 degrees out, it was awful. <laughs> but long story short, I did not go visit Michigan State University that day. Yeah, um, it was kind of an instant connection and, and the type of thing where I was very scared to take this step to, to, to come to ba back to a university. I had had an experience that had changed my perspective on college campuses. I was, I was living in, in a place of fear and Adrian was able to just be like, I've got your back. And that kind of that was enough for me to take that leap. It was a, it was a difficult decision, but I mean, it was enough for me not to visit the second campus and um, moving forward. Then I, I didn't know anyone. I was a new student. I was a transfer student. I find a lot of times that universities don't really have very good programs to integrate transfer students into to the school system. Like you don't, you don't live in a dorm. You don't get to go to all of the outings and meet everyone. It's you're thrown in, you have classes and that's that. Um, and so she was like, you're joining PRSSA and these are your friends now. Um, I remember she had called me to her office and there were some of the, the board members were, were in her office and they were like, she's like, this is your friend now. This is your friend now. Courtney is your friend now. And it worked and they became like, they became my friends. They took me in. I joined the alumni committee and about I don't know, like two months later, Adrian asked me to be the podcast director for our program. So I ran PR Hangover, um, which is a public relations podcast for young professionals, um, students that are learning trying to see what's out there for themselves, and then also for professionals to kind of bridge that gap together. So that in and of itself gave me so much just doing that podcast. And I, I was like, are you sure you want me to do it, really? Yeah, I mean, she, she's not a handholder, and I don't want it to sound like that because she's not. She's, she's a, a badass that tells you how it is. Um, I think if you asked any, any of her board members, like, a word that would describe her, it would probably be badass. So 
I mean, that was the beginning of our relationship and it's continued into the rest of my career. Um, I work in Las Vegas now and just last week I called her um, practically in tears over a new client and she talked me off the ledge and just told me, you know, you've got this, you can do it. Like you're not one to back down from a project. So let's just talk a strategy here. Um, so I think it's that lasting relationship and knowing that my relationship with Adrian is different than other students relationships. Um, like she said, she wants to learn their backgrounds. She wants to know who they are and what makes them tick. And so the way that she interacts with me might be different than the way she interacts with another student. But at the same time, you're in a room full of people and, and some of those students have really great connections with her because they make an effort. And I think that there are a lot of students that miss out on the opportunity to know and love Adrian Wallace because they, they might not think it's important to have a relationship with a faculty member, or they might not think that they need those extra steps to, to launch their career. Um, oh, I've got, I just have a degree, it's fine, I'll be fine. But those extracurriculars that Adrian encourages are what really makes a student flourish and be able to become a young professional that is successful. I mean, I can remember when Courtney was trying to decide whether or not she should um, move. So like the, uh, she's just always had like, Oh, I just want this like cool experience. And I want, and I can, and the, I feel like the time, like, should I do it? And I was like, well, I mean, like, why wouldn't you do it? And then she was like, you're, right and I was like you're only going to be this age once like you know please go live your best life Mm -hmm. and just thinking like how uh brave she was and how I would never have had the courage to do what she did twice I mean like she moved to go to school somewhere where she knew nobody and just rocked it and then she moved to a place where she knew nobody (laughs) her entire career I mean that is a astonishing and anyone that's not like blown away by that is you know has lost their marbles but um I just think that sometimes you know you just need permission to be brave and I was more than willing to be like Courtney come on like have you met you let's go (laughs) that's awesome that you're able to have that support system and someone to kind of you know when they can see that you're not confident in decision confidence Mm -hmm just from everything you've said and kind of Dr. Wallace's mentality on mentorship and everything, I can see why you would think she's an outstanding faculty advisor. Can you kind of just take us through what was going through your mind when you thought about nominating her or what maybe you listed on paper as making her outstanding? So we had um, our our PRSSA board, we kind of sat down and decided who was going to nominate who for what. And I was like, well, I'm doing Adrian. (laughs) sorry everyone I am I kind I just kind of want to read the first little part of of my nomination this was written in the spring of 2019 be between being an assistant professor at GVSU a board member of West Michigan PRSA chair elect of East Central District PRSA a digital strategist and project manager at Black Truck Media and Marketing an advisor and therapist for several hundred advertising and PR students and overseeing GVSU PR SSA and our student run firm Grand PR, we often ask ourselves, how does she do it? 
Her resume is impressive, and she's often described as the smartest in the room by her peers. However, it's her desire to develop real, lasting relationships with her students and to help students find their passion in the field of public relations that makes her stand out from the most. She'll stop whatever she's doing and give her students undivided attention, even if that means staying after a PRSSA meeting until midnight or later to talk things through. So that was just the first part of it. But I think that that's a good snapshot of Adrienne. Um, she does everything. She does all of the things, she says, all of the things. Um, and she is constantly working, but she'll never take a moment, not take a moment out of her day to help somebody. And I think that's one of the most important things. There are a lot of professionals in this world, a lot of of professors in universities that mm -hmm. I think don't take that extra step to help people. And anyone who knows her knows that she's always there. So that was one of the main reasons I wanted, I wanted to highlight all of those things. And then within the nomination, I, I talked about how she's dedicated her time to being a mentor. And I, I touched on the fact that in her acceptance speech for the professional of the year at West Michigan PRSA's 2019 proof awards, she talked about her, she talked about her students. She didn't talk about her accomplishments. She was like, Hey guys, these students need you. They need you to take them in for as for internships. They need you to pay their wages for, um, for PRSA. They need you to help them locally. They need, she was like, we want to keep our students here. If you want to have a young professional working in your office, you need to start with PRSSA and you're local here. You can help them. That's what she devoted her speech to. And so I think that says a lot about her. Nothing makes me more mad than an unpaid internship pay for their membership to PRS to say, I mean, there's lots of ways you can sneak in little benefits, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She's an advocate all the way around. And so I also talked about how she received her doctorate in public affairs throughout this whole time. Like she's, she's going to school herself and she's doing all of this. And she also writes about the importance of, of mentoring students. She's always willing to do a podcast episode. She's always willing to do an interview um, or write it herself. And so I think that that's something to touch on. One other thing I talked about was that she did a podcast episode with me that talked about anxiety. It's one of the most listened to podcasts that we actually have on our, on our channel. And we talked about real life stuff, like, and that's important, especially because in the fast paced world that we live in right now, I think um, a lot of people just struggle. And so when you hear somebody that can connect with you, especially coming from somebody that you look up to, that's really important. Also in here, I mean, this is just very typical. There was a student that was considered homeless. Um, Adrian went to her network to help him, mm -hmm. ended up getting him a car through her network so that he could go back and forth to school, go back and forth to his job. So just those little things like that. And of course, it's just you look at the people around Adrian and and there are always people willing to help and I think that says a lot about about her the fact that she can call up a professional and they're they'll jump to help whatever student it is if she gives a recommendation they they'll take that recommendation and they'll say okay I, I trust mm -hmm. you other things were that we won some awards for for the proof awards from West Michigan PRSA um, as students as students, she won an award. We had um, the young professional had just graduated from PRS or from Grand Valley and PRSSA. We uh, we won an award for the podcast. We won an award for our our work through the Createathon for Grand PR, um, and then also a 
another grand PR client that we had, but yeah, I mean, we won awards. So that was really cool to, to, to win those awards as a student. Yeah. In total. I mean, I think, I think it, it kind of speaks for itself. The reason why Adrian was meant to win an award like this. I, I think that she just kind of embodies what it means to be a good faculty advisor and a good person. Mm-hmm. It's those little things that kind of, you know, there's the on paper duties of a faculty advisor and it's just those little things that go beyond that. I, in my professional career, I've tried not to call her so many times because I know what she's <laughs> dealing with, but I, I think I've called her twice for something. You can always call me. I know. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's still like I can still call her. That's awesome. So what was your reaction when she won it? Uh, Well, I wasn't there. Um, I was getting a play-by-play text from (laughs) one of my friends who was at the conference. And I I didn't actually want to, I was like, what is Adrian doing? Like, I wasn't, I wasn't even like, oh my God. I was like, what, what, is she, what did she say? What does she look like? Is she surprised? What is she doing? Like, I wanted to know her reaction to it. Yeah. So Dr. Wallace, what was your reaction? Did you, had you known beforehand that they did nominate you or was it like a total shock altogether? Yes. So they did let me know. And that was, a, I mean, a courtesy that was extended to me, which I wholeheartedly like appreciated. My reaction was I wasn't even paying attention when it happened because (laughs) I was like taking pictures of like the other awards that had already been like, it was just, you know, we're all on our phone. So I'm like taking pictures of people doing stuff. And then like our, our PRSSA president, I was sitting next to her Delaney. She was like, "Did, did you hear what they just said? And I was like, yeah. Oh wait, that's me. Hold on, I just have to finish this. And then, you know, like, I'm like almost in tears. Like, I don't know. I don't cry a lot. I mean, I cry like more than probably I should, but you know, whatever. You can cry. And You're allowed to cry. I know. It was just like really moving um, because you don't get to win that if you don't have a chapter that, that does well. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not just, you're not just out there like leading the band. That's not how advising works. So you don't, you know, you don't get to be outstanding unless you have outstanding students. And I think that's the the highest credit is saying that like our students are outstanding. And that was, we, you know, we hadn't entered Tihan's, I don't even, I want to say we didn't enter ever before that year. So we won a few and it was, I mean, a really humbling experience to be able to, I mean, we're not a huge program. We have 700 majors and minors about and so you know you're writing your application knowing that like Jordan's running (laughs) writing an application and Bama is writing an application and you know so you're thinking like well what you know we're Grand Valley but we've never thought that like out loud like in your mind you're doubtful right but Mm -hmm. like out loud we're like heck yeah we got this we're gonna put this in we're gonna win it and you know in the back of your head you're like oh god could we win it we can win it we can win it you know (laughs) And so I think like, you know, we have, we have a strong writing curriculum. We have very passionate leadership in our, um, in our chapter and, you know, that's who wins, right? Like that's the win is that, that you're able to collect that reward basically for everybody's excellence. Cause I mean, if they didn't trust me, I couldn't help them. And if they didn't want me to help them, then like, we just all don't be, nobody's their best self, right? 
Mm-hmm. So um, I think that that's uh, really important is that we're all just like, we're like really real people. <laughs> we're from the Midwest. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just say what we mean. And um, I think that that, you know, the award is, I only get to collect the, the award because I have excellence around me and I get to, you know, add in a deposit to the excellence and let it mature. And then, you know, we're all able to withdraw and go do our own, um, our own thing. But I thought one of the best things actually about the whole experience was that um, Gary, um, I was able to collect the award from Gary, who's been a friend of my husband and mine for a few years. And so him and Brian were the people up there and I've known them both for a long time. And I thought that that was, you know, one of the nicest things um, getting, a trophy through airport security was tricky. Um, that was a lot of explaining. It's kind of big, which is like uh, both like amazing and also like, oh God, what am I going to do with this? But, you know, it was interesting. But, you know, my reaction was my reaction. It's the same one I have when I talk to Courtney. It's just, you know, it's warm and it's goodness and it's magical. And I mean, I'm not like overselling that at all because that's exactly what it is. I mean, we've talked a lot about what you kind of think of the advisor role and all of that. So what do you think maybe for other chapter uh, faculty advisors, you know, what, what are maybe three points to become an outstanding faculty advisor? Gosh, it's, there's so many things that you just have to like care about. Right. So like you have to show up, (laughs) you know, like they need your support at those meetings. They need to be able to ask you those questions after the meeting. They need to be able to text you at midnight if they have anxiety. They need to be able to do that. And you have to let them. And you also have to meet them where they are in that moment. And I have a very liberal like contact policy. I don't have a lot of boundaries. Um, <laughs> it's not for everybody. It works for me because I, like, I don't have kids. My husband and I are both like, you know, neck deep in public relations. He works in public relations too. He's also our professional advisor. So that's handy. <laughs> <laughs> Super handy. I think like show up and respond, right? Like if they text you in the middle of the night, of course you can't always answer back, but in the next, in the next morning you can answer, uh, you know, promptly, like, you know, go the, go the mile to be, you know, good about that. I think the second thing I would mention is that you have to advise and to coach. You're not there to do. Man, I mean, it feels like sometimes when people bring you a problem, you're like, well, I could have had that done like 15 minutes ago because I have 24 years of experience and I've done mm-hmm. all the things, like I've messed everything up that I could. So I have all this knowledge now, right? Over 20 mm-hmm. years. But that's not your job. Your job is to mitigate the conflict or let them get to the edge where it's almost falling off the cliff and failing big time, but like bring them back and like, ha- you know, have the talk and I'm a pusher, you know, <laughs> like Tina Fey, I mean, girls, I'm a pusher, but I think that you have to let them experience what is to be experienced and then talk it out, revise it. And feel like, that's the whole thing is like lather, rinse, repeat. Right. So mm-hmm. that's the second thing is that you can't do it for them. You're an advisor stay in your lane. The third thing is don't stifle your enthusiasm. (laughs) Like I think so many times as faculty members, we're kind of expected to be super formal about things and like we have to maintain this like image or whatever. And that, first of all, I don't even know how to do that. So I think that having I'm a person, you're people, I was you, but 20 years ago, like that's sort of how I always think about it. It's like, I'm not better 
I've just, I just know more because I've lived longer, period. That's the only difference between Courtney and me now. Like, that's it. Like, I just have been here longer. <laughs> I've been on the planet for more days. And so I think that, you know, when, when something needs to be reacted to with like, like sheer passion or enthusiasm, I think you just need to let it happen. I've had lots of students that call me and they're like, I got such and such internship. And I'm like, you know, that's awesome. Like, that's so great. You know, I'm so happy for you and you're going to take her job. It's going to be awesome. You're so much better already. And, you know, I think just being able to say what you feel, I'm not a robot. I don't think you're a robot. If you're feeling anxious, I think you should say it. If you're, fe- you know, I think you should just be who you are. It's not like, I don't know if you're too, like, you can't just like act too proper. I mean, like, that's not what they want from you. They want like you to like, they want all of you. They want your prickly parts too. They want the, you know, they, that's what they ask. That's what they want. They're demanding that. So um, you have to also be okay in being vulnerable <laughs> to a population that it's sort of hard to be vulnerable in front of. It's hard to make mistakes in front of your students. It's hard to, you know, feel feelings. I remember the first time I ever, I, I have anxiety that never used to be like something I even talked about until I started to see more and more of my students coming to me with like anxiety problems. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for them to trust me if I can't disclose that I, what's, what I feel like is quote unquote wrong with me too. You know what I mean? Like they want you no matter what they're accepting of you. Um, so this is the most, you know, accepting group of people ever in the history of our world. And um, I think having, you know, prickly parts is acceptable. And I think that it humanizes you. And I also think that it shows that you have some resilience. I have anxiety. I've been in therapy for years. I take medication and I don't care. <laughs> and I could still be successful and you can too. You know what I mean? Like sometimes <laughs> yeah. when, when students come to you, they're like at the beginning of their journey of understanding what any of this stuff means. And, you know, they, it's so easy to think contrarian thoughts. So don't stifle your enthusiasm, be exactly who you are, prickly parts and all. And then I have, I do have a fourth one because, you know, we're going the extra mile here always. <laughs> um, But I think like that's the fourth one is to go the extra mile. It's like if a student asks you for an idea, like ask them questions back and get to the root of something. And if there's a need, fill it. If you can help them, do it. If you know somebody else that can, connect them. I mean, at the end of the day, PR people are not order takers. We're problem solvers. And so we should be coaching that, showing that, and actually fulfilling that um, by modeling. I mean, you know, now Courtney's going to go out and help people with internships and she's going to, you know, because someone did her a solid. So she's going to, it's just like pay it forward, you know, mm-hmm. you know, go the extra mile. It, it's, you know, sometimes it takes a little extra time to go the extra mile and you have to be okay with that because it means something and it should. I think one thing to add on to that is that not everyone is just like you. And I think in a lot of older generations, um, they don't try to understand the younger people um, and what makes them tick. And so I think that's something that's important, especially thinking like some of those people don't have a support system at home. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Adrian and I had talked about a lot. A lot of different students um, have never felt that type of support. They've never been encouraged or told that they can do all of the things that they want to do. And so it's easy to, to think oh, you know, they have that at home or somebody's, somebody's being there for them. But that's not always the case. And so in, if you're an advi- in an advisor position or in a position where you can be a mentor, just know that. Just, like, think that and, and approach every person as if they don't have a support system. Like, you can never give somebody too much support. 
but always, like she says, encourage them to do it on their own. You can, you can lift someone up without doing the work for them. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important part of being the advisor is, you know, you're helping prepare these students for real life when they're an adult and all that. So I think something to consider, you know, is just like how like millennials, Gen Z, like the space that we're in right now, you know, without stereotyping too much, but a lot of um, students come from a space of they've never had to face the, um, the prickly parts or the, uh, you know, the adversarial parts. They've never had to like solve that problem. And so they don't have the confidence to even consider it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, cause we have like the helicopter parent and the lawnmower parent, we have all this like stuff going on where, you know, your parents want you to be successful. They love you. Of course, that's totally normal. But like, sometimes it comes at the expense of you not being able to do stuff because mm-hmm. they just took care of it. Right. And so, and of course parents are going to do that. I mean, I would do that if I had children. I think that the part here is just to say like, you didn't, you don't even, it's like, uh, you had it in you all along. Like you never knew that you could actually make that happen. And so part of the job of an advisor or a mentor or a professional is just to understand that like that little seed is in you. It just hasn't grown yet. So like, let's like nourish that a little bit and, and show you that you can do it because you don't have the confidence yet. I mean, no, I mean, gosh, I'm 43 years old and I can say there are lots of times I'm not confident <laughs> in, you know, areas. And so understanding that young people just aren't there yet and being able to like find confidence and help them grow in that space, I think is a part of the extra mile. It's part of the show up. It's part of all those things I just mentioned because they don't yet believe it yet. And so part of our job is to make you believe in you. So that kind of wrapped into my last question. So I don't know if there's anything else that you would like to add. You know, we all have the capacity to make Um, you know, other students and young professionals better. And we should, you know, really honor that opportunity. And, you know, I think that building relationships with students is, I mean, at some point, we're all going to be working for you guys. So we may as well be part of, you know, your growth and your promise and all of that stuff, because you're the largest generation on the planet. Um, It's inevitable, right? So I think that to support a profession that that really needs solid people like from an ethical standpoint and a diversity and all that like all the rounded pieces right like we have to show up for that and encourage that and be here for it so um i think that at the end of the day it's our responsibility as older people to help foster that in younger people so then they'll foster that in younger people etc etc so um you have to model that behavior it's it's just really important Yeah, I really couldn't agree more, especially, you know, I'm Courtney, you can relate with me on that one, being a young person and having someone that's there to help you and kind of help push you into your profession. It really, it will make you want to pay it forward. Oh yeah. And it's like, we're not Google. Like you can't come to us with any question and we just serve up an answer. Like that's not the point of mentorship. The point of mentorship is like helping you arrive at a decision in a, you know, in a responsible and timely fashion so that you can do it. I think can't, you know, can't is a really powerful word and you've been saying it to yourself your whole life and to have somebody say like, well, why are you talking to yourself like that? You know, like and coaching you to just be, you know, have more grace even with yourself, I think is, uh, is, is really important part of the mentorship uh, relationship. So, yeah, I mean, it's up to us. (laughs) Uh, If we're not, you know, if we're not, if we're not making it happen, you know, we're not, it's not going to, it's not going to grow or be better. So it's up to us to plan, you know, to make that happen and be responsible mentors now so that you guys can be the best professionals that we've ever seen.
All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Wallace and Courtney, for joining us. I'm really excited for our members to hear this. If you guys want to share where students can find you. Oh, sure. Um, you can always find me uh, at Adriwall on Twitter. That's A-D-R-I-W-A-L-L. You know, text me, email me, whatever. Smoke seconds. I don't care. Just find me. You can find me anywhere. I'm very findable. She is very findable and she'll, she'll answer you. So always reach out. Um, I am Courtney Fogle, C-O-U-R-T-N-X-Y-F-O-G-L-E um, on Twitter, Instagram. And I'm also reachable from a younger perspective. If you're scared to do something, let me know. If you just want that, go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. Adrian's here. And that concludes this episode of PR with the Pros. Thank you so much for joining.